Good, Good morning, Journey. Everybody awake? Well, the back is. I'm not sure about the front section. Well, man, we're so glad that you are here. We're excited about what God is doing. Uh, as I said several different times, God is on the move. And, and I hope you're seeing that and experiencing that and saying, Lord, change me. Lord, grow me. And uh, it's just exciting what happens when we surrender to him. And we've been doing the series on one family, the power of unity. And the first week we looked at one head, the power of power. That's where the power comes from. And when we understand that Jesus is the head, that keeps everybody else out of the way. And then last week we looked at the body, one body, the power of synergy. We are better together. And it's just been interesting this week to hear stories that people have shared on God worked on their heart to go and make things right with other people and God has healed hurt and brought together unity and brought peace and man, it's just been so cool to hear those stories. And guys, if you don't believe that we're better together, just stop in the lobby on your way out and look at all of those Thanksgiving bags. When we started out today, we had 139 bags. I've seen at least four to five come in so we're around 145 bags, if not more. We couldn't do that by ourselves. It's because you guys follow what God laid on your heart and signed up for a bag or two bags or however many it was. And now, at least 140 families are going to receive a Thanksgiving meal, but not just a meal. They're going to know that there are people out there that care about them. Isn't that great? We're better together. And if you think, well, I don't really matter, I don't, that's just the enemy trying to get you discouraged. We are better together. And we invite you to get involved. I just stopped and talked to the Next Steps group that's meeting, and there's about 10 or 11 that's in there right now. And if you haven't gone through Next Steps, let me encourage you to do that. It just tells you about who Journey is. It tells you, helps you kind of identify some of your, your gifts and callings, and we come together and get you on a team and serving together. And if you say, I, I don't feel connected, well, we're gonna do everything we can to try to make you feel connected, but you gotta come and meet us halfway, right? So we encourage you to be involved, and because we truly believe, we don't just say it, we truly believe we're better together. But now, we come to our third part of this series. And that third part is this. We have one purpose. Yeah, we have one head, we have one body, but we have one purpose. And we call it the purpose or the power of intentionality. The power of intentionality, and you say, intentionality, what, what is that? Well, being intentional means you actively engage and interact with your life so that a focus is achieved, okay? so that a focus is achieved. Now, if, if you are, are one who enjoys um, going out and sitting in a tree stand, this time of year is like the heaven of your day, right? Or heaven of your year, You're like that's the focus. <laughs> I wasn't gonna call Gary's name, but well, okay. Gary came up to me and he goes, short one today, preacher, my stand's waiting. That's why before I came up here, I was kind of like, you know, got the horns up there, don't shoot. 
But there are things and seasons in our life where things become our focus. Some of you are getting ready to get married. Guess what? Everything that you're thinking about is the wedding day, making sure everything's planned, falls into place. Some of you are getting ready to graduate from high school in May or June. And so you're, you're kind of gearing towards that. What's that going to look like afterwards? There are many things that, can, that we can be focused on. And when we're focused, everything then, our whole intention is based on fulfilling that focus. Now notice a couple words in this definition. Actively engage and interact with your life. So you invest your life into this and you are gauging in this aspect. You're not just kind of sitting back and kind of watching and see what takes place, right? You, you, you don't have any kind of involvement. You don't, no, you are involved. You are there. You are trying to make sure this takes place, that this happens. So let me ask you a question. What's your focus? What are you being intentional with? What is it that everything else that you have in life is guided by this one thing? Let me give you another truth. Whatever you are not intentional about, you will not accomplish. Whatever you are not intentional about, you will not accomplish. Some of you, there are projects around your house that have been planned or thought of. Boy, it's just amazing how many wives looked at their husbands. It was just almost like projects around the house. Why, why doesn't it get done? It's not our focus, right? It's not our focus, that's not what we're being intentional about. That'll happen. One day it'll become part of the focus, but it's just not now. Whatever you're not intentional with won't happen. It won't get accomplished. So now think about this. What in your life are you wanting to do that you've not been intentional about? If you wanna save up money for something, for a car or a house or retirement or whatever, that's great goal, great idea, but are you being intentional? Are you setting aside those things or are you saying, I'll do that next month. I'll do that next year. But in our lives as Christians, there are things that, that, that come into our, our focus that take away from what our focus should be. And so we get focused on those things. If the head is following the body, we're scattered. If Jesus is following us around, because let's face it, that's how we kind of treat Jesus, isn't it? Lord, I need to get this done, so could you come with me and help make sure this gets done? Lord, I need to get this accomplished. Would you come along and help me get this accomplished? Then everything gets scattered. The head is not called to follow the body. The body is called to follow the head. And when the body follows the head, then the focus must be the gospel. It can't be anything else. When we are following the direction of the head, the gospel has to be the focus. Some of you are wonderful drivers. Some of you are not. Some of you get easily distracted. Some of you like to put on makeup while you're driving. Some of you like to read a book while you're driving. Some of you like to talk on your phone. Some of you like to look at the scenery as you're driving down. 
If your focus isn't on the road, then distractions come in and then accidents and trouble can happen. And church, if we're going to accomplish what Jesus has called us to do, then we have to be focused on the gospel. We can't be looking around. There are things that are not necessarily bad, right? Ladies, it's not bad to wear makeup. But I would contend that the best time to put it on is probably not while you're driving 55 miles an hour down the road, just a thought. There are things in our life that we look at and go, well, well Randy, there's nothing wrong with it, right. But what's, what has become wrong with it is it's taken our focus away. So I'm going to propose to you today that the intentionality of the church must be the gospel. It can't be anything else. The intentionality that we are pursuing must be, not one of the top things, but the intentionality is the gospel, period, okay? When we get that, that helps everything else to fall into line. So I've given you my premise. The intentionality is the gospel. I'm gonna prove it with scripture, and I'm gonna give you a plan to make it happen but maybe you need to be reminded of what the gospel is. Watch this clip. The gospel is that there is this infinite, almighty, all-knowing, all-powerful creator God that created all things for his glory. And you and I have belittled that, belittled his name, belittled his glory. Every one of us have at one time or another, actually currently, believe that our way is better than God's. We fail to acknowledge, give him glory for the gifts he's given us. We question his rule and his authority while at the same time doing that with the brain he gave us and holds together and the lungs and the air that he gave us to breathe with. This is the great blasphemy of the universe. So we've all belittled God and God being just right and holy is not going to allow the belittlement of his name. God then not being able to spare wrath since Christ in the flesh and crushes him and in so doing pours out his wrath against the children of God onto the son killing him then God raises him from the dead and that same power that raised Christ from the dead is now at work in those who would believe this is the gospel that you and I have right standing before God, not by our efforts, not by our works, not by our skill, not by whether or not we cuss or don't cuss, drink or don't drink, watch this, don't watch this, do this, don't do that, justified before God by the cross of Christ alone. Your lust, you're not gonna be able to fix it. Your bitterness, you're not gonna be able to fix it. Your rage, anger, those deviances that have been following you around, you don't possess the power of life and death. You can't resurrect anything. Christ came. That's the good news. That's why we don't celebrate us. That's why we continually celebrate Him. We boast in the cross and the cross alone. The same power that is at work in raising Christ from the dead is at work in me and work in all who believe. This is the gospel. How many of you needed that? You ever notice something that we know so well, something that has changed our lives for those of you that have accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, something that is so powerful, 
yet we forget. We become concerned about other things. We become focused on other things. Church no longer becomes about the gospel. It becomes about cliques. It becomes about denominations. It becomes about social gatherings. It becomes about social injustices. It becomes about politics. It becomes about so many other things that the gospel gets pushed aside. So if the intentionality, if the focus must be the gospel, if he is calling us to actively engage our lives into this, then what does that look like? Well, I can't think of a better example than Jesus, can you? And in the story of Jesus and Zacchaeus from Luke 19, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Notice Luke 19, he's getting ready to end up his chapter, his, his gospel, with the crucifixion and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. Jesus is a busy man. Jesus has all of these temptations, all these testings, all these trials, everything trying to get his attention. The Pharisees are plotting to kill him. His disciples aren't sure what in the world he's doing. Everybody's questioning him. He has all of this going on. And yet, on his way, he comes to this sycamore tree. Large tree. How many of us pass trees without ever looking up in them? Jesus walks by and he looks up and he sees Zacchaeus. Zacchaeus was a tax collector. Zacchaeus was a man nobody liked. He had betrayed the Jewish people by selling them out. He had betrayed Rome by collecting more than what they had called for in taxes. He was a man that was despised by everybody. There is not one person alive that would have given the time of day to Zacchaeus to help him except Jesus. And Jesus, on his way, looks up in the tree and he says to Zacchaeus, come down, for today salvation is coming to your house. And then he concludes that with this. Why? For the Son of Man, that's Jesus, came to seek and to save the lost. That's the gospel. Jesus wasn't coming just to set up his apostles. Jesus wasn't coming just so everybody would either say, man, you're an awesome guy or you're a horrible guy. Jesus came to seek and to save those that are lost. And maybe today, your name's not Zacchaeus, but you fit that description. You feel like nobody cares about you. You feel like your life doesn't matter. You feel like you're just a, a, a waste of breath and air. And you feel like nobody sees you. Can I tell you today, the gospel says Jesus sees you. And he came to give his life for you. That's the gospel. The gospel was intentional with Jesus. He could have given every excuse and every reason that we do not to see Zacchaeus, just to pretend like he wasn't there. Have you ever pretended like people aren't there? Jesus could have done the same, but he didn't, and he called him out. Now, you guys are familiar with John 3, 16, right? But what about John 3, 17? What about the next verse? Look at what 3, 17 says. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. 
Okay, church. God doesn't need you to condemn others. You say, Randy, what do you mean? I can't believe that person acted that way. I can't believe the person talks that way. I can't believe the person lives that way. What you're doing is you are bringing them into condemnation going, wow, who would ever want to love somebody like that? Who would ever want to give a life for somebody like that? Because can I remind you of something? You used to do the same thing. And I used to do the same thing. Because we didn't know Jesus. Jesus, when he was on the earth, being the son of God, being completely holy, without sin, he could have walked around going, you're unworthy, you're unworthy, you're unworthy, you're wrong, you're at fault. But here's what he did do. Hey, the path you've been going is not good, is it? You've been trying to fulfill your life. He said to the rich young ruler, you want to follow me? Sell all that you have and follow me. What Jesus is saying to him is this, do you really believe I am who I say that I am? Are you willing to trust me with everything? See, he's calling him out, but he's giving him hope. If you'll follow me, you'll never regret it. And that what he told Peter, James, and John? If you'll follow me, I will make you fishers of men. They had to make the decision, yes, Lord, I believe you, and I'm going to follow you. You see, when he calls them out, he is saying, listen, I know where you're at, but I can take you somewhere else. But we get so focused on where people are at that we fail to show them where they can be. Jesus came for that good news That's what the gospel means, that good news. That yeah, you were on your way to hell. You were a sinner. You deserve God's wrath. I love that part that that Matt shared was God deserved to crush us. He deserved to wipe me out. But instead he sent Jesus and poured his wrath out on him so that in love he could give the invitation to me to come and follow First Timothy, Paul speaking, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. Paul never forgot how bad he was because how bad he was showed how good God is. Some of us forget that we once were simply sinners. That we, in the eyes of God, were not acceptable because of our sin. But praise God, because of Jesus, I'm no longer just a sinner, I'm a sinner saved by grace. You see, that's the gospel. And Paul understood it. And he said, as he's teaching Timothy, hey, Timothy, as you're going to take up the mantle, as you're going to go forward, don't forget the intentionality. Don't forget the focus, Timothy. And that is this, that Christ Jesus came into the world for one purpose, to save sinners. The power of the gospel 
Let's go back to Luke. Luke tells us in his gospel, what man of you having a hundred sheep, if he has lost one of them, does not leave the 99 in the open country and go after the one that is lost until he finds it? Now, we, the, the song Reckless Love has created many discussions about, well, are you saying that God's love is reckless? And we say, no, when you look at it from our perspective, it is, because we wouldn't do that. We'd be comfortable with what we have. But he goes after the 90 and nine. But there's an even greater truth to that, okay? There's an even greater truth that we need to get. Because he's given us this principle, now he's gonna add meat to it, okay? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders rejoicing. And when he comes home, and when he comes home, we're getting there. We're trying to get it, there we go. He calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep that was lost. Now listen to what Jesus says. Just so I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Boy, let that sink in. We would look at going where people like us and accept us. It would be like, pick your favorite sports team. Would you rather go watch your team play at home or away? Well, you like to go at home because everybody's there, you're all cheering, right? Everybody's going together. But if you really want to be adventurous, where all your teams shirts and pants and hats and go to the opposing team. That doesn't go so well. People go, oh, boo, and you know, they pour their drinks on you or whatever because they do not like you. Here's what, here's what Jesus is saying. Here you had the, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, the religious people, the people that knew and should have recognized that Jesus is the Messiah. They knew enough scripture to pick it out. And he would have been smarter to go to them and try to convince them. But you see, there's a problem. They didn't think they needed repentance. They thought they were right. Jesus went out into the highways and the byways of life. He went out and sat with the publicans and the sinners. He went where people looked and goes, you know, that doesn't make sense to me. Why would you go there and talk to those people? And Jesus says, because there is more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents, who gets it, than over 99 that talk it, but don't walk it. Church, Jesus would later go on to say that there would be people that would stand before him, and he would say to them, Depart. And they said, but Lord, didn't we do these many things? Didn't we accomplish great things? And Jesus' words to them is this. Depart from me, you workers of iniquity, for I never knew you. You see, the gospel is about reaching down to hearts that are sinful, that are wicked, 
Jesus reaches down and he says, you don't have to stay that way. You can have forgiveness. It can be changed. It can be different. And the gospel comes in and they get it. But so many times, especially God has so blessed America that we are are founded upon Judeo-Christian principles that there are a lot of people that think they're okay, that think they're all right. And I don't need God. My friend, but when you understand the gospel, I'm nothing without Jesus. He did it all. It's not because I'm a good person. It's not because I'm an American. It's because Jesus paid the price for my sin. And he said, that's why the rejoicing takes place. Then he gives the parable of the son, the prodigal son that goes away. And at the end of Luke 15 and verse 32, he says this. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Church, let that sink in. He was lost. He was away. But Jesus came down and paid the price, and now he is found. Church, I celebrate Jesus because at a point in my life, I was lost. But somebody knew the intentionality of the gospel and shared the gospel with me and I understood Jesus came for me. I was the one that he came looking for. I was the one that he went out in the highways and byways of life. I was the one that he went against all normal protocols and said, I'm reaching out to you. And church, if you're here today and you say, Randy, I'm kind of like Zacchaeus. Nobody cares about me. I'm kind of like this prodigal son everybody kind of talked bad about and had hard feelings for. And my friend, it's time to come home. It's time to celebrate that Jesus came for you so you could be found. And church, it's time for us to remember we once were lost, but now we're found. We once had no hope, but now we have all the hope of heaven because of what Jesus Christ has given to us. Look at what it says in Ephesians 4 when he's talking about the church. To equip the saints for the work of ministry, for building up the body of Christ, okay? We're the body, so what's he want to do in us? Until we all attain to the unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God, to mature manhood, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. So here's what he's saying. The purpose of the church is for us all to work together in unity so that we can exalt the head, Jesus Christ, and fulfill what he has called us to do. I've given you scripture after scripture to show the heartbeat of Jesus, that he came to seek and to save those that are lost. But do you guys remember Matthew 28? Jesus is about to be ascended up to the Father, and as he's being ascended, he says this to the disciples, go. Go into all the world and preach what? The gospel. And when they believe it, when they accept it, baptize them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. His final words to us were not, hey, be comfortable. Hey, guys, sit around and just Share the memories that we had. 
Share the memories of what Peter's face looked like when he began to sink out on the Sea of Galilee. Hey, share those, share those stories of Judas when he betrayed me. Hey, guys, share, share those stories. No, he said, share the gospel. Share the good news. So now, let's go back to John 3, 16. We looked at verse 17. Let's go back to verse 16. You guys know it well, but I want you to see it. For God so loved the world. The only reason is because he loved us first. Not because we loved him and called out, hey, we, we need help. No, he loved us so much that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. Folks, that's the gospel. You say, but Randy, you don't know my past. I don't need to. That whoever believes in him. But Randy, you don't know the things I've done. I don't need to. But whoever believes in him should not perish. That means be sent to hell but have eternal life. That means to be with him in heaven. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. So church, how intentional are we about the gospel? How intentional are we that everything that we do centers around that focus? If anything else becomes that focus, if anything else takes its place, if anything else becomes our intentionality, then the body misses the heart of Jesus. To catch the heartbeat of somebody, you have to spend time with them, right? Have you ever done something for someone or somebody did something for you and you're like, oh, that was nice, but not really what I wanted? When I turned 40, like last year or maybe a few years ago, Bad thing about having your wife in the service, you can't get away with telling those little things, right? But when I, when I turned 40, my wife set up for me to do the NASCAR experience at Lowe's Motor Speedway. I determined one thing, I had the need for speed. And it was an awesome experience. And so we're sitting in the class and they're going through and they're giving us all the instructions, you know, because they're putting you out there in this car and it's only you, you're, there's nobody else riding with you, there's no pace car in front of you, you're just out there on the track with other cars. So they're going through and teaching you all this stuff. And so we're all just out, man, can't wait to get out there. Oh man, that's right, let's go. This one guy raises his hand. Instructor said, yes sir, and he goes, what's the slowest you can go on the track? Everybody kind of laughed, and, and uh, he goes, yeah, well, I don't think we'll have to worry about that. He goes, no, I, I'm, what's the slowest you can go on the track? He goes, well, we'd like for you at least to be around 80 because you've got to be able to get up on the embankment and make the, the loop. And He said, so I can't do 55? And the guy goes, man, most people do this experience because they want that speed. He goes, I didn't sign up for this. My wife did. He goes, I don't want to go fast. I want to get it over with and be safe. He said, one lap's good with me. So we all determined one of two things was true. Either she was trying to kill him and get life insurance money out of him, or she really didn't know her husband. And maybe she had the need for speed and thought, you know, my husband really enjoyed this, but his heart was terrified. He didn't want to get in that car. He didn't want to go out. 
You see, sometimes we think we're doing good things, but we miss the heartbeat of the person we're doing it for. If we're gonna be followers of Jesus, if we're going to serve the head, then we have to make sure we have that heartbeat. Because if you do anything else, if anything else replaces that focus, then the body misses the heart, the very heartbeat of Jesus. Now, I wanna give you a list of some things that sometimes take our focus, okay? I wanna give you a a list of some things that that kinda get in and, and take our focus away. Politics. You ever known churches that were known for their politics? You ever known churches that were known for their social gathering, their social functions? Now folks, are there, is there anything wrong with those? No, but that can't be our focus, right? I asked somebody asked me a few months ago, and they said, is Journey a Republican church or a Democratic church? I said, Journey's a Jesus church. We've got Republicans, we've got Democrats, we've got everybody else, but that's not our focus. Guys, in our life, there are things that that we need to be involved with. I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved in politics and the process. I'm not saying you shouldn't be involved with social injustices and all those things. But church, all those things can't be solved without the gospel. How can I tell somebody something is a social injustice if there's not a God with whom we've wronged? How can I talk to somebody about what's right or wrong if there is not a God who sets the standard on what right and wrong is? So if the gospel ever becomes secondary and these other things take over, then hurt comes in, chaos comes in, fighting comes in, because the gospel has to be what we're intentional about. I wanna give you guys this statement. I wanna encourage you just to kind of ponder on this a little bit this week. Here's the statement. The creator heals the created through the cross. The creator heals the created through the cross. Okay, that should be coming up on the screen. Looks like they're kind of looking. Technology's great when it works. The creator heals the created through the cross. Guys, he doesn't heal the created through politics. He doesn't heal the created through my thoughts and wants and wishes. He doesn't heal the created by giving us comfort and just simply what we want. Remember Israel? Israel called out for a king. Everybody else has a king. We want a king. And God says, no, I am your God. I am your leader. No, we want a king. And he says, you'll regret that decision, and to this day they have. If he gives us simply what we want, that doesn't bring healing. It only brings more problems. So the creator heals the created through the cross. If you're here and, and you're apart from Jesus Christ, you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your savior, then the only way to have forgiveness of sin is to come through the cross. You can't come any other way. You can't come by just being a good person. You can't come by doing good things. It can only happen through the cross. When you meet Jesus 
and say, you came to this cross for me and I accept that. But church, if we try to live apart from what happened at the cross, now we're out doing our own thing. We've gotta come back to the gospel. For so, so for some of you today, you need to come back to the cross to be reminded why Jesus came. You're upset, you're angry, you're, you know, if, if you watch a news channel long enough and you find yourself getting angry, you forgot the cross. When you remember the cross, you remember the gospel and you watch a news thing or you watch whatever stirs your blood, then you look and say, the mission is still needed. The gospel still needs to go forward. Folks, you know what Washington needs? Jesus. You know what the world needs? Jesus. You ready for this one? You know what the church needs? Jesus. We've gotta get back to the gospel. We gotta get back to that being our intentionality. So I've given you the premise that the intentionality is the gospel, it can't be anything else. I've given you the proof from scripture and if I just ended it here, it would be easy to say, oh man, great, good reminder, Randy, I appreciate it. What's for lunch? Or, my, I've got a busy work week ahead. So I wanna give you a plan, just five steps, that will help us leave here making the gospel the intentionality, okay? First step is this, remember what the gospel did for you. Remember what the gospel did for you. It renews your appreciation. You see, when I forget that, then it's easy for me to say, well, I can't believe they would act that way, talk that way, do those things. Wait a minute. I used to be that way. I used to talk like that, act like that. So when you understand that, it says, Lord, thank you. Because just as Paul told Timothy, I used to be the chief of sinners, but now I've been saved. So you need to remember what you used to be. Then secondly, you need to daily focus on what the gospel is. You need to daily focus on what the gospel is. Because if you're not careful, the gospel will change according to what you want it to be. Let me give you an example of how we change the gospel to how we want it to be is sometimes when we, when we hear of people that do horrible, heinous acts against humanity, it's easy to say, you know what? They just need to be gotten rid of. Folks, can I remind you? That could be the one that Jesus went looking for. You see, when we forget the gospel, we start making judgments. Nope, they don't need the gospel. Boy, they, need, they do need the gospel. I had a pastor friend tell me one time that he went to, to pastor a church and he was going through the interview process and uh, the, the deacon board met with him and, and they said, now, pastor, if we call you as our pastor, understand there's a certain clientele that, that, that we want at our church. And we don't want you to bring anybody outside that clientele in. Are you okay with that? The job paid well good benefits, but this pastor had to think, what's the gospel? And he said, I believe the gospel's for the whosoevers.
Church, if you're not reminded of what the gospel is, you'll start making decisions based upon your interpretation, on what you feel comfortable with. So you have to be remembered where you came from, what, what the gospel did for you. You have to daily focus on what the gospel is. And then the third thing is you need to ask God to make you aware of others. You ever notice in life we, get, we walk with blinders? I don't, I don't wanna see what's happening over here, I just wanna look this way. In, in, a, in a world with all the technology that we have, we should know each other very well, but we don't. We don't. When you get the intentionality of the gospel, you can't help but see others. You can't help but see others that are hurting, others that are going down the wrong path, others. The director of the Salvation Army said, others, Lord, others. Let that my mission be. Church, are you asking to see others? Or you, Lord, I don't wanna think about that. But then that gives me to the fourth point. You can't just ask to see them, you've gotta engage with them. You've gotta engage with them. It'd be one thing if, if, as a pastor, if you said, Lord, just I wanna see others, I wanna have the opportunity to minister to others, and then I never spoke to you, I never interacted with you, never engaged activity with you. Remember, that's part of intentionality. Engaging your life in with the focus, with the intention. Now part of the engaging is this. But what, what, if, what if it gets awkward? What if they ask me questions that I don't know? What happens? I, I may get dirty. I may get I may get accused of being with the wrong people. They saw me talking to these people. Didn't Jesus get accused of the same things? The Pharisees came and go, hey, what are you doing eating with these sinners, these publicans? Jesus told them the same thing. I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. Are you willing to engage people? Have that conversation with them? Talk with them? But then that leads me to the fifth point, and that's this. You have to be willing to speak truth. Half-truths does nobody any good. Somebody asked me one time, do you really believe that Jesus Christ is the only way to heaven? Absolutely. Well, that sounds prejudiced. That sounds bigoted. No, that's the gospel. You have to speak truth. You can't Water it down, you can't change it, you can't leave some things out. You have to speak the truth. Now, now let me ask you something, and I wanna, I wanna end the service with this. If I'm going to engage people, I have to be willing to take time, and I have to be willing to talk. I have to be willing to listen to their story. Please follow me through, because I want you to understand this clearly. One of the ways that we can kind of deal with people is we can be harsh so that the conversation ends, because I know I just made you mad. So if, if I walked up and I, I see this young man and I say, 
you're going to go to hell when you die. Yeah, that makes him want to talk to me. Okay? But if I sit down and go, hey, man, I'm Randy. What's your name? Brad. Brad. Everybody, this is Brad. See now? Everybody knows Brad. But if I sit there and don't answer these questions because we don't have the time, I want to talk to you more about it, though. But if I sit there and go, Brad, tell me your story. Where are you from? What you do? Who's, who's this pretty young lady beside of you? See, I'm getting to know him. Brad, what do you think about Jesus? What's your idea of church? Isn't that what Jesus did? Jesus didn't go up to people and go, you believe I'm the son of God? Nope, don't want to talk to you then. He could have. But Jesus took time to sit with the woman at the well and hear her story. Find out where, what she believed about worship. Find out what she believed about the Messiah and who it was going to be. Did he water down the truth? No. But he gave her the truth for where she was at. Church, when I, when I see TV or I see internet or I just see people here in Asheboro or surrounding areas, every person I see and every one of you here today, I see what have you decided about the gospel? What have you decided about the Jesus of the gospel? And wherever you're at, whatever you think of Jesus, I just want you to understand who he really is. Not who people make him to be. Not who people have misrepresented him to be, but who Jesus is. Church, I ask you this question. Is the gospel your intentionality? Are you focused on making sure others know who your Jesus is? Or have we set up our own parameters where we want to live and how we want to act and how we want to do things. If we're going to be the body church, we've got to follow the heartbeat of the head. And that heartbeat is the gospel. Church, it's time we focused on the gospel. Father, thank you. Thank you for the good news. The good news of Jesus Christ. The good news that he came to take the wrath of God for our sins upon himself. He was crushed so we could be saved. Father, may we never forget the gospel. Father, I, I pray for anyone here today that has never received the gospel of Jesus Christ, that never understood that you came to pay the price for their sin, that today would be the day of their salvation. Today they would see Jesus and call on him and say, Lord, you came looking for me, here I am. I claim you as my savior. I confess my sin. I turn from it and I turn to you. Father, for those of us that are saved, those that are the church, the body of Christ, have we lost our focus? Help us to bring it back. That the gospel would be the heartbeat of everything that we do. And in that way, you receive all the glory and all the honor. Of course, in Jesus' name we ask it. Amen. If you're here and you don't know Jesus, I invite you today. Don't wait till tomorrow. Come today. Confess, Lord, you are the Savior. You are the one who came for me. I confess my sin. I ask you to come into my heart. And folks, if you invite Jesus into your heart, there's a connection card in front of you. 
We just ask that you'd fill that out and put it in the bucket or you can give it to the folks at Next Steps because we want to help you to take those next steps in your walk with Christ so that you'll grow. We just don't want to leave you. We want to go with you. But church, is the gospel your intentionality or has other things come in? Our prayer today is that each one of us would leave from this place. Lord, I want to be focused on the gospel. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. He's called me to do the same. Lord, let the gospel be about all that I do. Because when the gospel is about all that you do, his grace will be seen. Church, let's become intentional about the gospel.